This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome back to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lee. Just at the end of a very exciting final play for the Bears, Losing at Lambeau Field 21-13, to effectively losing their playoff chances, although there's some strange mathematical possibility that they could hang in there one more week if things fall just right today. Not counting on it. Uh, I am joined by friend of the pod, co-host of the Cash Considerations Bulls podcast here on the Blue Wire Sports Network, Ricky O'Donnell. Ricky, how you feeling? You know, Zach, I'm all right. I missed the final play. I was at a local watering hole. I had to catch the bus so that we could record this podcast in a timely fashion. And so, you know, I'm looking at the bus tracker on my phone, and I had like nine minutes to catch it. The Bears had just turned the ball over on downs in the fourth quarter. So I'm like, all right, I'm making a run for it. I'm trying to catch this bus back. It's too cold to be waiting outside. I catch the bus, but I miss the crazy lateral play. I'm getting a bunch of texts about it. I'm still unsure of what happened because I've only seen like screen caps on Twitter. So, Zach, can you walk me through yeah, what happened at the end of this game? I'm sure you've been shown the screen cap already that is not unlike the uh, one that became a meme for Mitch Trubisky in his first year when there was a guy wide open in the end zone. If you screen grab it just right, it looks terrible. But, yeah, uh, the Bears get the ball with 40 seconds left, no timeouts. There, uh, after a really ineffective last drive where Mitch was doing that uh, drop back, kind of look somewhat up into the air, chuck a few around off a back foot or possibly both feet in the air, uh, he all of a sudden is completing balls 20 yards down the field. And they're very quickly in uh, uh, the Hail Mary zone. So on third down, maybe it was like a, a first down. Either way, they uh, <laughs> they have a near Hail Mary go through a Packers' hands, Jair Alexander's hands, and bounces off Riley Ridley's hands. It would have been an impossible catch in the end zone, but super close, enough to make every fan at Lambeau yelp out loud. And then on the next play, the Bears run a little dump-off pass to Tariq Cohen and then begins the lateral game. And so strangely, the first lateral goes to Trubisky. He's on the left side of the field. He doesn't catch it cleanly. It looks like he's going to get blown up. Manages to give it up, and Jesper Horstead is running down the right sideline with a convoy and with Allen Robinson just off his back right shoulder. And Anthony Miller just in front of him looking to throw the block. It's right there. There's a touchdown waiting to go on the board, and Jesper doesn't see it, uh, kind of chucks the ball forward so no bear can touch it first. And the game ends on the one-yard line with the Packers holding the football. So, Ricky, uh, 
I'd get more excited or more upset that the lateral didn't happen, but the Bears would have had to have a two-point conversion. Then you go to overtime. It's not like the win was sitting right there. Nevertheless, miracle play that ended on the one-yard line. So tough, man. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see the Bears have a comeback in the second half. I think the way the second half opened with the Packers scoring a couple straight possessions, it took all the wind out of my sails as a Bears fan. I could feel the season ending 100%. right then and there. But uh, credit the Bears for fighting back. Mitch Trubisky did make some nice throws, I think, after the Packers uh, had their scoring push at the start of the second half. So the Bears, you know, it was sort of a, a symbol of the entire season. Like, all was lost, and they fought back only to blow it at the end in uh, in last-second fashion. So, uh, it's the worst epitaph of all time. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the worst one. So uh, before we get into, like, the game a bit more, you know, now that you know what happened on the final play and the, that Mitch did make a couple throws there on that final drive. But nevertheless, Mitch finishes, and let me just read this off to you, 29 of 53. Wow, 53 throws for 348 yards, one touchdown, two picks, took three sacks. Ricky, did Mitch Trubisky have a good game or a bad game? I would say he had a average game, but he wasn't good enough to win him the game. He didn't make the plays in crunch time that they needed. Uh, late in the second half, he missed, I believe it was Miller cutting across the field, who was wide open on, uh, I believe it was a third down. So he missed that throw, missed a few throws throughout the game. Obviously, the Bears had some tough breaks, too. I mean, I'm going to go back to the ball he delivered to Cordell Patterson on the sideline that the Bears decided not to challenge. Mm -hmm. That led to their field goal in the second half. Uh, That was, you know, a sliver. Could have gone either way on whether or not he was inbounds or out of bounds. Nagy doesn't challenge it. So, uh, you know, there were a few calls that, you know, make or break the game of inches that is NFL football, and they all seem to go against the Bears on this day. I thought Trubisky was all right. I would have liked to see him run a little bit more, but he did use his legs uh, several times, finished with four rushes for 29 yards, a long of nine. So uh, I I realize I'm not giving you a definitive answer here. I felt like he played okay, but I I don't really want to fall on either side of the fence in terms of good or bad. What What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I think the way that you see the way he played today is definitely declares who you are as a fan and what you're still hoping for. There was a lot to like uh, in terms of like there's a, a throw where he you know breaks out to his rolls out to his right, steps up, throws across his body to Miller along the left. Amazing throw. It's it's like one of his absolute best and something that I think I think he played poorly, but if you look at how he played in the middle of the season you're so thankful for this poor play. Like, the number of throws he did make, are it's just night and day from what was going on in the middle of the season once he came back from his shoulder injury. So there's reason to have hope there. And, yeah, he threw two picks. One of them was an end-of-the-first-half heave. I think, you know, we can effectively write that off the board. I think uh, Barstool Big Cat uh, declared, he tweeted that it doesn't count. So that doesn't count. Um, and then the other one was a throw that a defensive lineman had careen off his chest and managed to catch. Now, that still goes on Trubisky's ledger. He threw it. It was right into his chest, but that's a tough one. Um, at the same time, there were a couple throws he made that very likely could have or even should have been picks. So, you know, take one off the board, put one on. It kind of comes out in the wash. 53 throws is an incredible number, and I think let's transition to what was the real problem, which is something we've seen all season long, uh, which is the Bears getting whipped in the trenches uh, on both sides of the football. So uh, 27 runs for 96 yards, but Trubisky is four of those carries and 29 of those yards. 
After that, David Montgomery, 14 totes, 39 yards. I really like David Montgomery, the talent. I still think he he dances way too much in the hole. Like, it's one thing to try to, you know, make a guy miss uh, once you're beyond the first level and you're, you know, trying to find space on the second level to break a run. But you need to get through the hole on these early runs. It's not like he had a lot of space anyways, but he certainly wasn't helping himself. Yeah, I've been critical of David Montgomery throughout the year, only because I had such high hopes coming into the season. After the preseason, after all the draft hype with him, maybe it happens every year, but it seemed in particular Montgomery was a guy who was a favorite of all the smart draft analysts online. Uh, all we heard about was how good he is at making people miss in terms oh, of broken tackles. It's a steal of the draft. Supposed to be a steal draft pick. Uh, yeah, he he did not have a big year by any stretch of the imagination. To me, it was pretty underwhelming. Obviously, the offensive line was a major concern throughout the year. But, you know, Bears, you got to run the football effectively. When you got a quarterback uh, like Mitch Trubisky, and I'm going to – here's a Mitch take for you. Mitch is a lot better when you consider him to be a running quarterback. <laughs> If you just view him through the prism of, okay, the only thing this guy actually does well is run, he's a scrambling QB, then a lot of his throws to me become forgivable. Uh, Unfortunately, you don't get that benefit of the doubt when you're the number two overall pick in the NFL draft ahead of both Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, it would be a lot more tenable with Mitch if Montgomery was the type of guy who you could count on to be a power running team. The Bears lacked that with the offensive line. They lacked it with the running game. And Uh, I mean, you saw it today, you've seen it all season long, and they just couldn't move the ball effectively on the ground. Not only could they not move the ball effectively, but uh, let's see what the number is for Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay with seven tackles for loss today. Um, Seven tackles for loss and three sacks of Mitch Trubisky. I think that tells you kind of all you need to know about the Bears' offensive line. And again, the Green Bay defensive front has a lot of quality on it. Now, the Bears did pretty good holding the edge on the Smith boys, but uh, Kenny Clark wrecked the Bears all day long. Kenny Clark with a line of eight tackles, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. Holy shit. Stud. Holy shit. Yeah, he he was everywhere. I didn't know who he was until I listened to your preview podcast where you called him the Akeem Hicks of the Mm -hmm. Packers. And so my eye was on him the entire afternoon, and he was really tremendous. Uh, Yeah, I I would say at this point, given the way the year fell for Akeem Hicks, certainly uh, he's the best you know, defensive end, 3-4 defensive end playing in the NFC North, and one could argue one of the best playing uh, in the entire NFL. So he really controlled the line of scrimmage on his own, and I think Blake Martinez also had a really good game for the Packers, 11 tackles for him. For the Bears on defense, you know, I, I kind of feel like the Packers' offense really isn't that good. And, you know, were it not for those two really quick drives down the field to begin the second half, which, you know, happened and you can't take off the board. It feels like the Packers made one adjustment, scored the touchdowns that they did. The Bears made the the readjustment to that and shut them back down. So, you know, I really thought there was going to be a better performance from the Bears. The defensive line got almost no pressure. uh, And, you know, I think that we can effectively say that Aaron Rodgers is reaching a new place in his career where – He's still Aaron Rodgers, but he's a little bit inaccurate on the move at times. And if he's hurried, if he feels pressure in his face, he's gone to the Tom Brady school of career advancement. He's going to dump the ball and move on to the next play. And for the Bears only to get one sack, uh, it just says a lot about where the pass rush is, where uh, Khalil Mack is. I mean, Akeem Hicks is back for the first time, and he was in excruciating pain, like hard-to-watch kind of pain. Like, you felt bad. I. 
if he went out of the game and the Bears lost as a result, I wouldn't have felt that terrible because it looked like he was just in and having uh, a, a terrible time out there. Khalil Mack, he's just he's not the guy that he's been, and I think that says so much about why the Bears struggled on defense. Yeah, Hicks is a warrior. I did not think he was going to re-enter the game after he seemed to hurt his elbow early in the first quarter. You know, for all of the uh, consternation we've had about Mac's performance in the second half of the season, I really thought getting a consistent push up the middle with the return of Hicks would help Mac bend the edge and allow him to finally get some pressure on the quarterback. But, you know, once again, we didn't see it today. Rodgers, to me, is a quarterback who is terrified of getting hit at this stage terrified. of his career. His receivers are straight-up trash. I mean, these are the worst receivers I've seen Green Bay have since I've been watching the Packers in my lifetime. At least it feels that way. Except uh, for Devontae Adams, who's not 100%. He's not 100%, obviously still a good receiver, but hasn't been the Devontae Adams we've grown to know the last few years. I still go back to that first pass Rodgers threw. A straight-up dime down the field. It seems like Rodgers makes that oh throw. God. Oh my 99 God, times out of 100 and to me that's on the receiver I saw some Bears fans being like well Rodgers could never get the blame for that but I don't know man he had alligator arms on that oh yeah uh, no, that was right there it was right there so Rodgers is still highly capable of making plays uh, we saw it throughout this game, but, you know, a couple times when the Bears had pressure, he got called for the intentional grounding for not reaching the line of scrimmage. He really should have got called for it twice. I don't think they called it the second time, but Rodgers isn't the same guy. I totally agree with you. Sort of what you were saying on the preview podcast and what I was hearing from other sources coming into this game was like, hey, uh, Aaron Jones is a great back. Maybe you have to let Rodgers throw the ball it sounds like a scary proposition, but I think that this game only reinforced that Rodgers has lost a little bit of velocity off his fastball in terms of his overall performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the Packers are not good, dude. That's my main takeaway. The Packers yeah. are 11-3. and three. Yeah, that you... is a fake 11-3, and three, and I'm probably going to sound like some like bitter homer for saying it, but they, they're not that good. The Packers are frauds. Let's get that out of the way. Right here, right now. The Bears are a very average football team, 7-7 seven and seven with two at games best. left. Average at best. Uh you know, poorly managed, I think, in a lot of critical situations. Was goes back to coaching, goes back to quarterback play this year. But the Packers are not impressive. You had a great stat on the preview podcast, which is that the Packers were only like plus thirty in their point differential on the season, despite entering the game ten and three. You know, you could tack on eight more points to that. But once again, Green Bay, uh, that's a team with a lot of holes, man. Like, if I'm one of the top NFC West teams, if I'm the Saints, I'm licking my chops at the idea of getting to lay some wood on Aaron Rodgers and getting to play this Packers team. So, very winnable game for the Bears. But at the end of the day, the Bears aren't just, they aren't that good. They aren't. And and I think, you know, when these games come down to being, you know, more or less a 50-50 game, a coin flip game. It's whichever team makes less mistakes. That's usually how I look at things. And the Bears certainly were the team that made more of them. Um, it's not like the Packers did a whole lot to win. They just did a lot not to lose, especially in the second half, to hang on there. But it was it was right there for the taking. And it's not like the Bears didn't try. I, you know, frankly, I don't feel all that terrible. One, because you know I'm a little dead inside because this season sucks. Two, because Hope died a few weeks ago and whatever the 5% playoff chances some people were hoping for it. I wasn't really, you know, lending myself out to that, but also they made it exciting at the end. It was 21 to three. And I think if we just stop and take that moment, you said, all right, Trubisky is going to be down on the road. It's 21 to three. The bears are getting the ball. I would have been like, this is going to be a boat race. Like, it's just, I can't expect the bears and their passing offense on the road 
to be able to find a way back, to move the football effectively, to keep a defense off the field. It's just going to be, you know, a lot of three and outs. The defense will get gassed. They'll give up another one. And the Bears made it a game. And, I mean, they were a yard away from making making it even more than that. So I kind of feel like uh, there's a little bit of a bright side. Other bright side is that Anthony Miller is now back in the mix and is effectively a developing player for the Bears once again. Miller and Robinson, both great in this game. Yeah, uh, uh, Anthony Miller finishes with nine for a buck 18 and a a touch. And then Robinson, uh, seven for 125, which puts him at 83 for 1,023 for the season. Ricky, sound the alarms. We have a 1,000-yard Bears receiver. You know, the first 1,000-yard Bears receiver since my boy Alshon, who Zach and I used to argue about over text. I used to like Alshon, mostly because he tweeted the same thing every morning when he woke up, which was, God bless bless everyone, have a good day. It's just a feel-good message to wake up to, Zach. Like, I enjoyed that about Alshon, but... uh, No problems with Alshon, no problems. I think I was a little butthurt that he wanted to leave us, but I couldn't blame him for that, so I just kind of threw it on him. You know know, Josh McCown made him look good in the Trustman offense, but Alshon ultimately, I feel like, will be remembered as a disappointment in a Bears uniform, at least to an extent. Allen Robinson's really freaking good, man. The Bears got to keep him around for as long as they possibly can. He's everything you want out of a wide receiver, number one. Uh, You know, kudos to Allen Robinson on a very good year. Two games left still, too. I'll also say that, you know, I'm going to criticize Nagy here in a minute because it's something that uh, I have to do. I'm contractually obligated and I want to. But if you look at the uh, the passing mix and kind of the overall distribution of the offense, really, really good job today. I think we played that, that game two, three, four weeks back when it was like target pie. Like if you were just to say who needed to get the most touches in the Bears offense to feel good about things. So uh, Robinson, 14 targets, only seven catches on those 14 targets. But again, like, Distribution is right. 15 targets for Miller, nine catches. Then Tariq Cohen, uh, seven catches on 10 targets. Then you kind of go down the list. It's Horstead, one for three. Montgomery, one for one. Ridley, two for two. Patterson, one for four. I'm totally okay with that mix. And then overall, like Montgomery with 14 carries, Cohen with eight. I really appreciate like how the Bears are trying to move the football. And again, 53 passes, I think you could likely criticize Nagy for that. And I'm not going to be the one to do it because the offensive line could not run the ball all day long. So you had to go somewhere. And he was doing a lot of like really effective short passes. Also, and it's surprising we haven't talked about it yet, really loved what he did with third downs were going to be tempo so that Nagy could get a look and call a line audible for Mitch. And it happened all game, and it was super effective. Dude, they were audibling before the Packers were even lining up. I'm like, how are they audibling already? The Packers don't even have their guys on the field. But it was probably a situation where, like, Nagy's giving them two plays, and they're just kind of, like, figuring out which play they want to run. So, yeah, I did like that. I think Mitch has been at his best all year in the no huddle. So it was good to see the Bears go to that. Uh, and we've done this podcast, we've been recording for long enough at this point that we got to talk about the early punt return that Cordell Patterson forced a fumble on. That was clean, bro. I texted everyone I knew that shit was clean. Cordell Patterson lays the wood on the Packers punt returner. If you don't want to get lit up, call a fair catch. I thought that was clean. I mean, yeah, it was clean. I just I, I'm not going to get mad about the every team's going to get three calls blown on them. Every That's game. a big, big call. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Bears had lots of chances. It, it to me. So I went. I went through this little thing, which is if it happens at Soldier Field and a Packers gunner blows up 
you know, Tariq with like a quarter of a second to catch it, legal or not, I'm going to be like, hooray, I expect that flag. I think when contact is loud and the, and the call is close in the NFL, it's just a flag. And so it happened, and I wasn't like thrilled. I was, I was just not surprised, man. I'm not surprised. And yeah, did they take away a great play from Cordell Patterson? Absolutely they did. But it happened early. There was a lot of other stuff down the field like that happened along, along you know, for the game. I, I just can't get that mad about it. Maybe I'm in the minority in that regard. Yeah, it's like you know the football's game of inches and – you know, those are the type of plays that ultimately determine it. I was mad, but sure. What can if, you, you do? Know, if it happens in the fourth quarter when we're making the comeback, I, I'm all you know, I'm all red assed about it. But it happened early. I was bummed about it for a second. I'm like, all right, you know, they need to move on with the game. To come back to like the the play calling for for Nagy, especially the third down play calling, the Bears finished nine of twenty on third down. Yeah. So first of all, to have twenty third downs in the first place, the Bears, I think, I'm pretty sure a season high in yards. 429 yards of offense and 83 plays to the Packers 58, which is really incredible. Um, but to go nine of 20 on third down is a winning formula. And again, we don't need to talk about them going over three on fourth downs. Uh, a lot of Mitch's bad throws and bad decisions happened on those plays. But, um, you know, overall, the offense just being able to move the ball effectively and string together drives, I think they definitely, yeah, 34 minutes of possession, which isn't necessarily a winning um statistic but it certainly lets you know you know how the field was tilted and only yeah. four penalties on the game for the bears so there's a lot of things you could point to and say um that's why they were in the game that's why they had a chance to win it in the end uh and, and it's just those critical plays the critical few plays those critical mistakes those are going to be the things that decided it and that's what happened today how about upset of the season bears actually get a first down on the opening drive i couldn't I believe they didn't go three and out i'm like <laughs> maybe we got something here totally but, so uh, that is like a perfect picture of bears fandom which is we had a first down to begin the game and it was like today's our day baby it, it felt like a touchdown didn't it <laughs> just getting a first down felt like we have like one on point for that we deserve one point and then you know the bears had been so good trubisky had been so good coming out of halftime uh all season mm-hmm. long so to see them just get stoned on that opening drive out of halftime and to see the packers open the second half on a big run that was just so fucking deflating. Like, credit to the Bears for coming back. But uh, I just expect, as a Bears fan this year, that, like, all right, we're going to be trash until the opening drive of the second half, and then we're going to start to put it together. It just didn't happen this game, unfortunately. Unfortunately, and another big play that, you know, you and I talked about while the game was going on was a third-down red zone throw by Mitch to Cordero Patterson, who, if you look at the replay, there's green between his Dude. cleat. And, and the sideline, and Nagy, so Nagy challenges a, a Packers catch on the previous drive that uh, I guess somebody in the booth had told him that the guy steps out of bounds, he totally didn't, so they blow through a challenge and a timeout, and then on the next drive, of course, there's a play where the Bears clearly should be challenging, but you can only imagine, okay, this is the one challenge we've got for the rest of the game, if this doesn't work out, we're going to have to swallow it, and sure enough, the Bears don't challenge it uh, on, I, I just... That's what challenges are for, for critical red zone plays that can extend a drive, and instead the Bears just kick a field goal. Was that an Andy Reid thing, that he was bad at challenges too, or was he just bad at late-game clock management? Because I just want to blame Andy Reid for Nagy being bad in those situations. But uh, (laughs) shit, dude, the Cordell Patterson catch, like literally, you could fit a fucking razor blade. I need to stop swearing. You could fit a razor blade between where his foot was in the out-of-bounds line. Like, I don't know 
if how the refs even would have judged that uh, in terms of was his foot on the white line or was it inbounds? But yeah. I feel like you gotta at least review it and make the refs call it. You do in that situation. You do, you do, and like you know, is it possible they would have let the the you know the call stand on the field? Totally. Trying to figure out what the refs are going to call play by play in the league right now is a loser's game. Like it's trying like it's like trying to bet on the NBA night by night. You can't. It's just just. Like, even flipping a coin isn't accurate enough. It's it's like, I don't know, man, trying to catch a greased pig. You just can't – you have no <laughs> idea what they're going to call. So anytime there's a challenge or review, I just, like – I kind of go dead inside just so I don't react to whatever's going to happen. I'm just like, I am now dead. Call whatever you're going to call, and I will just accept the arbitrary, you know, circumstances. Like, uh, that is what the gods desired. Let us move forward. If they threw, like, a voodoo bag of bones on the ground – and whatever shape that the, the bones took that, that de- determined the call, I'd be totally down with that. It's just as acceptable as what they're doing right now <laughs> in, in terms of NFL referees and how they're calling plays. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, I'd get mad about it, but it, what are you going to get mad about? It happens to every team. Yeah, and it seems like it's been this way for like five or six years at this point. Like, judging, going back to like the Calvin Johnson non-catch yeah, that, that actually was a catch. Game. Yeah, yeah like, totally. Yeah. Uh. I, the NFL, you know, there's an article this week, or they kind of, I don't know, did a presser, who knows how they went about it, but they said, we're going to review the refereeing from top to bottom next year. It's like, good idea. That's a, that's a good idea. Why don't you give that a look-see? The real you haven't been doing that moment by moment, but yeah, yeah, go ahead and take a look at the whole operation, see how it's working. The real crazy thing is, like, we all agree NFL refs suck. Do you remember how bad the replacement refs were, though? The replacement refs were, like... A total abomination. And the actual refs are a major step up from them. And the actual refs are still really bad, not good enough. So I'll it, say this: it's tough. I, I, I'll, I'll say okay. So when was when were the replacement refs? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah, somewhere around there. All right. Uh, a lot of really good referees retired in the last years and took up jobs in the booth, saying that the current referees are making bad calls. Sterator, um um, yeah, you're shoot, right. What's his name? Uh, like Mr. Biceps, uh, Hockley. Like now it's his son in there. You know, you know it's like uh, sons just can't follow dads. Look at the president of the United States. You know, just like not so good at what you know. Dad usually does it a little bit better. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I think there's that aspect of it, and yeah, it's become so much harder to legislate. All the rules are muddled. The NFL has done so poorly with all that. So yeah, uh, to kind of come back home to the Bears and things that you know we can actually opine on uh, a couple a couple call, calls didn't go our way i'm trying to think of one or two that didn't go the packers way Anything? no they the bears didn't get a call until like midway through the fourth quarter in that game i think there was like a holding call maybe that gave them a first yeah. down they gave the bears yeah. a first down that was the first call that went the bears way the entire game it did feel like we didn't get any help necessarily, um, but also it was just one of those like cold ass winter games where yeah. the clock is going really fast. All of a sudden, you look up; it's already in the second quarter. You you know you just got your first beer or cup of coffee, depending upon how you want to go about things. Um, yeah, it just it was just one of those cold games where things weren't really going to work well, and there'd be a lot of missed connections and uh, three and outs and that sort of thing. How many punts for the uh, for the Bearsies on this one? O'Donnell did uh, not have a good game. My my brother Patrick O'Donnell, he was struggling. <laughs> I felt like uh, four four punts for a buck fifty five along a forty six. Yeah, like nothing special. And then the uh, the the Packers seven punts. So yeah, just a, a lot of you know trying to 
piece together just enough offense or whatever it might have been to put things together. I will say, uh, you know, usually Adrian Amos uh, would be a guy that would show up and make us feel really bad about him not being on the team. I didn't really feel his presence at all today. Um, that always feels good when, like, you a, a beloved player goes to the other team and you don't actually, you know, catch them making you feel bad. So there's that. Uh, Trubisky took three sacks, but um, none of them felt like it was his fault. I think the offensive line, especially in pass protection. So we've given the Bears all this shit all year about not being able to run the football, and they've deserved, you know, every syllable of it. But usually in pass pro, they do okay. Not the case today. Mitch was had that, like, it's the worst Mitch. Uh, that pinched pocket, kind of like peeking over the top of it, kind of like leaning back, and you can see his arm angle is already kind of up. Uh, it's just the most worrisome look for Mitch for me like I just want him to break out of the pocket and start running towards the line of scrimmage again so he can throw um, there was a lot of that they pinched the pocket on him really well didn't give him a chance to run and uh, I think they had a lot of success in that regard yeah uh, I did like that Mitch was using his feet a little bit he had one incredible escape bit. in this game where it seemed like he the Packers had him sacked in the backfield he escaped I think he got a moderate gain out of it so uh, you know M- Mitch did all right and Coming into this game, I really felt like Mitch was playing for his job next year. Mm -hmm. I think that the Bears owe it to themselves to bring in competition at the absolute very least going into next season. But at the same time, if you're Ryan Pace, if you're Matt Nagy, don't you think that if Mitch is the starter next year that you're probably going to get fired at the end of the season? Isn't that where your head would be at? Well, I think... I think if I'm Ryan Pace, I'm thinking if Mitch Trubisky doesn't work out, I'm probably going to lose my job anyways, and it's just a matter of time because so much, you know, he chose the quarterback to develop. Uh, he chose the coach to develop him. He, you know, gave the draft capital to go get him. Conviction, all that shit, man. So I think most NFL GMs, you know, again, I, we've been paxed a little bit uh, by the Reinsdorfs, and I think we fail to understand that usually when these guys make the one pick, be it a coach or a draft pick or what have you, that's the shot they're going to get. I mean, you look at uh, the Giants, Pat Shermer is going to have two uh, losing seasons and he's going to lose his job. And that's just it. So, uh, and Dave Gettleman might too, their GM. So, you know, usually you don't get a whole lot of time. So I think if I'm Ryan Pace, I'm thinking, all right, at least something positive has happened. So we don't have to, so at least fans can accept that Trubisky will be back next year because there was a time not that many weeks ago where you and I were out loud saying probably me a little more loudly than you that Trubisky, you know, cannot be the guy next year that Nagy likely has lost uh, his job. If not, the team uh, is ill-prepared for this. And Ryan Pace was the guy that hired him. Maybe he should go too. So, you know, um, did I say all those things in an emotional moment? I did. Do I still mean parts of them? Yeah. But look, the bears are a uh, seven and seven team. They have the Chiefs and the Vikings left, you know, so they can try to wreck seasons or wreck playoff standings or what what have you. Let's just say it goes okay and they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. It's an 8-8 eight and eight season, and based on where they were before and their ability to kind of turn things around a little bit to find something positive going into next year, and then the number of injuries that have racked up late in the season, they, they haven't happened all at once, so it, it's not been a discussion point. But I definitely looked at kind of both sides of the field at one point I'm like wow there are so many guys on the field right now that weren't there to begin the season so I I think it bears mentioning uh, instead of being an excuse yeah I think so too I mean ultimately to me the story of the season is that the Bears had a, a pretty damn talented roster I would say like maybe not like Super Bowl good but 
especially if you look at where they were at in some of the John Fox years. Just the overall talent on the roster, 1-53, to uh, greatly improved, but they had below average play at the quarterback position for most of the year. That sabotaged them, and I would say probably below average coaching as well. It's tough to come back from both those things in the NFL when the margin for error is so slim. Totally true. I'll give Trubisky, and this is all just tangential shit, but I'll give Trubisky credit in this regard. He made, I would say, four, if not five, unbelievable throws in this game. So that there's all the mistakes. There's the near picks. There's the you know overthrows. It's all part of the context of this. But there was there was a third down. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, in the the shadow of the. Packers goalposts, a third down throw where Mitch has a guy right in his face. The offensive line lets pressure right in his face, and he sidearm slings one to Robinson to move the sticks and keep that drive going, a drive they would ultimately end up scoring a touchdown on. Then I'm like, you know, and, and then there's another one we talked about offline where Trubisky, did we talk about it offline or just earlier in the pod? All having a good time here. Rolling out to his right, stepping up, throwing across his body, 25 yards down the field to uh, Anthony Miller streaking up the sideline. That was an unfucking believable throw. And I know, I, I mean, listen to us, listen to me. Just to have a good throw is, is something to really re- like remark on and be excited about. Uh, you're hoping for consistency game in, game out, drive in, drive out. But uh, Trubisky did a, had plays in this game, and I think this is where I'll leave this, that transcended the help he was getting from those around him. So at, at, of all the things we said of, he doesn't have a run game. He doesn't have this. He's not a guy that can win a game on his own. He's still not, but he did start to make plays where I'm like, dude, that the Bears desperately needed playmakers at times in the second half, and he was the guy more than once. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I have upgraded Trubisky from dog crap <laughs> to not good enough. You know what I mean? Like, he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL. The The number I've been hoping he could get to was 20. If he could be the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, I felt totally. like the Bears' defense was good enough to, you know, give him a puncher's chance. But uh, at the end of the day, like, there's just such great room for improvement out of him, even though uh, certainly he rallied back. He ended the year, to me, on a positive note, still two games left. Uh, he showed us, uh, you know, that he's he's got some fight in him. He's got some competitive toughness in him, some competitive yep. fire. So yep. uh, it's a, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, to me, still not good enough. No, certainly not. By the way, Ricky, the people need to see the totality of this scale. I need to know that is dog crap the total bottom Yeah, and is not good enough. I, I just – you need to let us know – what the peak of the mountain is, what the basement is. I need to know every single level. So I would say the bottom is fire gar packs. That's like the end of it. And then one large step up from that is dog crap, which is where we're putting Trubisky now. And then it's not good enough. And then it's passable. So yeah, that's like the negative side of the scale. Ask me on the next episode. I'll give you the positive side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to put optimistic. you on the spot. You can you can tweet this out later and let people know. By the way, uh, Ricky's at SBN underscore Ricky. Uh, writes for SB Nation. Writes a ton of great stuff about college basketball, about developing prospects, about, you know, uh, hope for Bulls fans in the next season when they have the seventh pick in the lottery. Once again, uh, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. But, uh, yeah, just to come back to it one more time. So, Bears – Losing to the Packers uh, at Lambeau Field 21-13 to in a game that they had their chances left, right, and center. Gave it a good fight at the end. There's enough good feelings to go into next season. They play the Chiefs next week. Speaking of Andy Reid, 
Speaking of Andy Reid, the uh, the disciple comes home. How bad do you think the challenges are going to be next week? Oh, God, the clock management <laughs> is just going to be out of control. Can you place some bets on blown clock management? Because that's free money next week, folks. Yeah, the disciple comes home. Actually, the, the disciple, uh, the, the teacher comes home. Andy Reid coming into Soldier Field for the last game uh, at Soldier Field this year. The Bears with a 7-7 seven and seven record, and then really all they have left to, to play for is so they have to, you know, Nagy's got to beat his teacher, and then the following week the Bears are going to have to beat the Vikings in Minnesota. That's a free win, though. Vikings are trash. Bears are well, in the head. Yeah, <laughs> the, I, I, I appreciate where you went there, but the Bears have won, I believe, three straight. Three straight yeah, from the Vikings. that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, and they crushed them in Week 17 last year in Minnesota for their chance to go to the playoffs. So there's still something to play for. It's not the Bears' season, but uh, it's about future development, and it's about ruining other people's seasons. And I think that would be really nice to, to go into Week 17 in Minnesota and hear a lot of really sad skulls, really, really sad ones. You know, so. if Negi never loses to the Minnesota Vikings in his entire career, like I can't hate on him too much because I've despised the Vikings my entire life. So sure. to see the what Bears, what the NFC North hate rankings for Ricky? Uh, Packers number one by a mile, then Vikings, yep. and then Lions—they're like your little cousin who's not strong enough to beat you up. So, so that's where I'm at, which is I hate the Lions more, but they suck all the time, so they're not the same concern. But if they were better, I would fucking hate the Lions a lot worse than the Vikings. Why is that? I don't know. There's just something about them that, like, I always feel like dirty play you know they had sure. sue and they had rayola and they're like stomping on legs and all this stuff i always felt like not only would they not be like good enough to beat the bears or you know to beat anybody for the most part but they would play dirty whereas the vikings they've been they've had such a terrible run as a fan base and i hate them and i want the bears to beat them every time and no mercy none of that but I do feel bad for their fans. They've just been shit on so many times over the years that there is some like secret solidarity in the background whenever I see them shit the bed annually or I'm like, well, I know what that feels like. I'm sorry. Vi- got Kirk- Vikings, that? I feel like, are like annually very talented yet cursed. Like The image in my head is like Warwick Holman and Roosevelt Colvin double-sacking Dante Culpepper <laughs> as he throws a 70-yard touchdown pass, but then the Vikings like missing an extra point to lose. So that's kind of funny. Uh, Packers number one by a mile. I'm still not. By a mile. I'm still not over Brett Favre. I still hate Brett Favre. Rogers Just to go from Brett Favre to Rogers is the most is the biggest dick kick of all time for a Bears. Fan. Absolutely, Rogers begrudging respect from me. Like I don't hate Rogers. I wouldn't say that. Uh, I respect his game. Favre, he can burn in hell. I'll never have respect for Brett Favre. <laughs> but one after another is just like so unfair as a Bears fan. <laughs> Yeah, just to go from one Hall of Famer to potentially a better one. And I know, you know, Packers fans say, like, well, yeah, they, we've wasted his prime years. They want a Super Bowl. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's all you can ever really ask for. At the same time, they did waste a number of, like, prime yeah. Aaron Rodgers years. And it's weird we're talking about it in the past tense. It's not a sure thing. He may have, you know, a, an Indian summer year or two sure. uh, in front of him still. But, like, the way he's playing now, it does look like his – Prime Prime, and I do feel like people are forgetting what Prime Prime Rodgers looked like, which is there are eight free rushers, and the Bears somehow have five five defensive backs, and so they have 13 guys on the field. The refs didn't call it. All eight guys have beaten their their linemen, are going in on Rodgers. Rodgers runs backwards, throws over his head. It's a perfect spiral, 75 yards downfield that falls right in the the receiver's arms for a touchdown. I have never seen a, a, a QB 
escape plays better and throw a, a more accurate, more powerful ball on the run than Aaron Rodgers. It didn't matter what you did. It was exasperating, and he would throw it, and you just have to accept that that's just Aaron Rodgers, and it does not feel like that anymore in Green Bay. Very true. Unfortunately, the Bears still couldn't take advantage today, so nope. that's where we are right now. Yep, it's just it's a 500 team. Uh, they're still making mistakes. There's a lot of backups in, and they're just not good enough. There's just not one element of the team that's good enough to win this kind of game, and I do think you need that. You need one element, one uh, one positional group that's going to say you can say, all right, you know, and for, let's just do it for the Packers' perspective. Their D line and their O line won the game today. Like that was the difference between the Bears trying to claw their way back in. Uh, and the Packers being able to hold them off. It was just uh, it was just too much. So next week, Kansas City uh, at, at Soldier Field, like we said. And, um, yeah, a tough one today, tough season. It's kind of like a very much a microcosm of the season. But, Ricky, I, for one, uh, find the joys and the, the little hopes, and there were a couple of those along the way. So, um, yeah, go Bears. Yeah, go Bears, man. Uh, you know, not a terrible season. I guess we'll still do a couple more podcasts on this team but it did feel like we got some closure today so it's always yeah. nice to have that i guess i we all that's all it's another one of the stages of grief ricky so um and by the way you should be listening to ricky on the cash considerations podcast where i was lucky enough to guest last week and rant and rave a whole bunch if you really want to be mad if you miss our angry rantings this was a very sedate and kind of you know wistful one uh, go over to Cash Considerations, and you'll find all the anger you really need to get through your Chicago uh, fandom. It's all kind of living over there right now. Although, I will say, great win for the Bulls on Saturday. Yeah, big win over yeah. the Clippers. I'm still going to be angry on this podcast. We're about to record it later today. So uh, oh, good. anyone who wants to listen to Cash Considerations, hear me complain about the Bulls. I'm, I'm always here for you. <laughs> That's what I tune in for. Um, so yeah, you should, be, you should be listening to that on the uh, Blue Wire Podcast Network. And again, uh, would really appreciate anybody that goes on, wants to rate and review on wherever you listen to your podcast, be it Cash Considerations or here on the Chicago Shuffle. You can also tell me all my takes are trash at Right Field Sucks on Twitter. Ricky, I suppose you could tell him he's trash too. SBN underscore Ricky uh, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll see you next week for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm.